Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Pastor Bill Smoots delivers the message entitled, Returning from Anger. We'll also have music from the Tabernacle Music Ministry. So join us now from Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab.
Friends, the God who we want to walk close with wants to walk close with us as well. And as a church family, we have the opportunity to confess those things that get in the way of us walking closely with God and with each other. So let us join together in the prayer of confession that's printed in our bulletin. Approaching God with confidence, trusting in God's grace, let us humbly confess our sin. Loving God, we have given more weight to our successes and our happiness than to your will. We have eaten without thought for the hungry. We have spoken without an effort to understand others. We have kept silence instead of telling the truth. We have been slow to love our neighbors. Forgive us, we pray, and be not done with us. For our desire is to be faithful disciples of Jesus, and even when we do not live up to his expectations, we trust the compassion and grace you give us in him. Friends, the psalmist writes and reminds us, the Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. Friends, let us look up to the Lord and know that by God's love made known to us in Christ Jesus, we are forgiven and we are freed to love God and one another. Amen. invite you to stand at this time to share and state together some of which we believe it is printed in your bulletin and up above as well we believe in the god of all creation who calls every being into life who is mindful of humankind in all its diversity who embodies us with dignity, granting us different gifts and talents to shape our life, gives us with the uniting power of the Holy Spirit. This Spirit unites us in the face of conflicts, hatred, and all violation of life. This Spirit unites us wherever fear prevents us from caring for our neighbor, and whenever we are tempted to disrespect those who differ from us. Through the reconciling love of Jesus, our God forever shows us how to overcome the darkness of our divisions and live in the light of peace. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 16. Um, verses 42 and 43, and then skipping ahead to 59 and 61. So I will satisfy my fury on you, and my jealousy shall turn away from you. I will be calm and will be angry no longer. 
because you've not remembered the days of your youth, but have enraged me with all these things. Therefore, I have returned your deeds upon your heads, said the Lord. Yes, thus says the Lord God. I will deal with you as you have done, you who have despised the oath, breaking the covenant. Yet I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish with you an everlasting covenant. Then you will remember your ways and be ashamed. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel lesson today is from Mark, the 11th chapter, a story that may be familiar to many, uh, the cleansing of the temple. Some things that I think are important to note around this text. Uh, The first is that this story is found in all four gospels. And so whenever a story appears in each of the gospels, it's kind of a heads up to pay attention. This one was important enough to be remembered by all the gospel writers. In the gospel of John, the story is used at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He cleanses the temple as he's getting ready to go out and do ministry, and so it kind of sets the tone for what is to come. In the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this story comes near the end of his ministry, near the end of his life, and and in some ways is a culmination of the kinds of things that he has been working towards. One of the, the challenges of this story for us, I think, is the humanness of Jesus that is on display here. Uh, We remember that Jesus is fully God and fully human, but I think most of us naturally want to gravitate to that God side. Um, And here, the humanness is on display. Here he has a temper, kind of like some of us, maybe all of us. Here he um, lets his emotions uh, get away from him, perhaps a bit. Um, And yet, significant things come out of that. So as we we listen to this story, I invite us not only to ponder Jesus' humanness, but but to think about how that interacts with our humanness. Beginning in verse 15. Then they came to Jerusalem, and he, Jesus, entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He was teaching and saying, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And when the chief priests and the scribes heard it, They kept looking for a way to kill him, for they were afraid of him because the whole crowd was spellbound by his teaching. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. From time to time, I like to offer the sermon as a story for I believe it can sometimes, that sometimes the gospel can best be heard through a story, that its message and meaning can connect with us a little more deeply. On these storytelling occasions, I visit the fictional town of Perseverance, Missouri, 
which exists in my mind's eye just a stone's throw east of Kirksville and somewhere north and west of Hannibal. Perseverance Presbyterian Church is the oldest and largest church in this town of 12,000 or so souls, and it's where I imagine myself to be serving as pastor. When Dean pulled into the high school parking lot last Tuesday to to drop Tommy off after his follow-up appointment with Doc Houston, checking on the arm that had been broken when Tommy tried to jump the barbed wire fence with his dirt bike, if only the top strand of the wire had been just a little lower or the back tire of the bike had been a little higher, as Dean pulled in, he noticed Ray sitting in his pickup truck in the far corner of the lot, just staring off into space. Now, since Dean had never seen Ray in the high school lot, probably because Ray's kids had graduated and got through school some 30 years before the new consolidated high school was built a few miles outside of town, Well, Dean decided to see what was going on with his neighbor, Ray. And he pulled up going in the opposite direction so that the driver's doors of each vehicle would be right next to each other. It was a warm day, so both of their windows were down. And Dean said, what's up, Ray? And it was like Ray was in some kind of a fog. He was staring at the cornfield right in front of him, but his mind was a million miles away, like in California or Bora Bora or Timbuktu. After a long pause, Ray slowly turned his head and said, Oh, hi, Dean. What you doing here? The better question responded, Dean, is what are you doing here? Ray said, well, I was going home for lunch. I locked up the store right as the noon whistle sounded and got in my truck and drove out home. But when it came time to turn off the highway, I just kept driving. And I guess I've been sitting here a while. I'd say it's been a while, said Dean. It's nearly 1.30. Does Beulah know where you are? Ray turned and stared absently at the corn again. No, no, I don't reckon she does. But I'm guessing that she really doesn't care either because we had a terrible fight this morning and I said some horrible, horrible things and I would suspect that if she ever talked to me again, it would be too soon. Everyone in town knows that the fight started last week while Ray and Beulah and the other members of the church's young couples group who were all now in their 50s and 60s and even early 70s, as all the members of the group were busy getting Perseverance Presbyterian ready for the fall harvest festival, which was taking place on the first Saturday in August. Yes, the timing is odd, but most of the men in the group will be harvesting their own crops in September and October and maybe even early November when a harvest festival would normally be held. And the festival has to go on, is just so important, seeing that it is the sole means of support 
for the Sunday morning coffee fund, which pays for the coffee and the donuts that church members enjoy before and after church services. Several years ago, Red Arneson suggested that the church stop spending money on such luxuries as coffee and donuts and give all that money to foreign missions. Well, old Red's been over at the Assembly of God Church since right about the time he gave that little sermon. (laughs) Ray and Harry Blackman were in Fellowship Hall setting up tables to hold the pies that would be sold for 50 cents a slice. When Beulah and May came banging down the stairs with the old baptismal font, Harry and Ray ran over to help the ladies and rescue the font before it took one bang too many and something broke off. As they were wrestling the font into a safe place, and I do mean wrestling because this font is so big I can completely submerge a baby in it, if that were proper Presbyterian baptismal practice. As they were setting this massive thing safely down, Ray asked Beulah what they were dragging the font down the stairs for. Did they have a plan for it? And when she told him that they were going to use it as the pond for the duck fishing game, you know that game where the children are given a a long piece of dowel with a piece of string tied to that and a magnet as a lure at the end of the string? And the plastic ducks that are in the pond have another magnet on their back and a number written on the bottom side and the number when they fish a duck out, the number on the bottom says this is what kind of prize you get. Do you know that game? Well, when Ray heard that this was the intended use of the font, the font where Presbyterian babies have been baptized for some five generations in perseverance, It was like something inside of him broke. And he said, you can't do that. This is a sacred vessel used for holy purposes, not carnival games. No, no, you can't do that. Well, if you don't know it about her, Beulah is one of those women who doesn't deviate from her chosen path once her mind is made up. She is also a strong believer in a literal translation of Ephesians 5.21 where the Apostle Paul says that wives should submit themselves to their husbands, and that is exactly what she does. Beulah submits her ideas to Ray as soon as they pop into her mind and expects him to carry them out. No questions asked. Beulah said to Ray, now don't be silly. Help me glue the magnets on these plastic ducks. But Ray said, no, I won't do it. Well, the next thing you know, Ray and Beulah are in a full-fledged shouting match right there in front of the other members of the young couples group who just stood around at a safe distance staring at their feet, silently waiting until the fight was over so that they could get on their cell phones and let everyone in town know what had happened. Ray, who's known for being a pretty calm guy, just kept getting more and more worked up until finally he was shouting at the top of his lungs that he wasn't going to be like any old money changer in the temple. And as he turned 
to storm out of the room, he accidentally smacked into that massive baptismal font with his hip. The antique font rocked to one side and momentarily hung in the air before crashing down upon the tile floor of Fellowship Hall with an awful thud. The others in the room let out a gasp as a piece of ancient oak broke off the font and slid across the floor. As he stared at the scene of the disaster, Ray turned bright red, then pivoted and ran up the stairs and ran out the building and got in his truck and drove away leaving Beulah behind, equally red and equally dumbfounded. Nobody could remember the last time they had seen Beulah speechless. While May took Beulah home, a very quiet ride as you might imagine, and then nobody saw or heard from Beulah and Ray until he opened the store on Monday morning. She didn't bring her pies to the Harvest Festival the next day on Saturday, and there was no duck pond game, and they didn't show up for worship on Sunday either. Though the old font was back in place, having been wrestled up the stairs to the sanctuary by several men at the end of the festival, and turned so that the broken side didn't face the congregation. When Beulah came through the door of their home after May dropped her off, Ray was standing in the kitchen. She just glared at him and without a word walked right past him into the front room and sat down, pulled out her knitting and set to work, the needles clicking furiously. Well, they didn't talk the rest of that day or the next or the one after that or the one after that. As Ray was heading out the door for town on Tuesday morning, Beulah turned the radio off in the middle of the farm market report, again, something she never did. And she looked Ray straight in the eyes and said, you made a fool out of me. And it went from there. You know how those fights go when one person says something that stings the other, so in their pain they say something sharp back. And before you know it, two people who love each other and care for each other deeply, two people who've been married for over 50 years, two people who almost always see eye to eye have forgotten who they are and forgotten how to act properly and forgotten how to extend grace. When Ray finally left 10 minutes later, both he and Beulah had said some hard and painful things to each other, words that you regret saying as soon as they leave your mouth, words that cut deep, causing wounds that take a long time to heal, words that leave you in a fog, which is where where Ray still was when Dean found him in the high school parking lot, staring off into space. 
Ray never did get back to the store that Tuesday afternoon. Instead, he drove to church. Luckily, I was there working on Sunday's sermon and was able to help Ray carefully place the font in the back of his pickup. When Ray got out home, he backed into the pole barn that doubled as garage and his workshop. He had just managed to maneuver the font out of the truck using a couple of two-by-tens as a ramp and some rope for leverage. Again, no small feat for such a large object. As Ray was staring at the font, beginning to figure out how he might repair the damage caused when it hit the floor of Fellowship Hall, he heard a noise, and he looked up to find Beulah at the door of the workshop. She looked at him, then she looked at the damaged font, and then she looked at the person that she had been married to for so long that she could not remember a time in her life without him. And Beulah quietly said, I'm guessing that Jesus helped pick up the tables when he was done turning them over. And without saying a word, Ray scooted to his left a bit so that there would be room for her on the workbench right next to him. You're listening to Sunday with Tab, a production of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. We hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program. There are many ways to enjoy today's message again. Subscribe to the Tab podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org, tap on the graphic marked sermons and select the sermon you wish to hear. While there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indie. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabpres.org. That's T-A-B. PRES.org. Thanks for listening, and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with Tab. Mm-hmm.